Hi everyone, and welcome to the Sam Dever Podcast, episode 32. In this episode, I speak with actor and life coach, Brian Meyerhofer. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Sam Dever Podcast, episode 32. In this episode, I speak with actor and life coach, Brian Meyerhofer. I met Brian here in Los Angeles, and I was really excited to have him on the podcast because I always have phenomenal conversations with him. He's very deep, very intellectual, very big on self-development and personal growth, And I really appreciated him coming on, and I'm telling you, it gets deep quick in this one, so hang on. (laughs) And the book of the episode, uh, since Joseph Campbell's name was mentioned during the podcast, I'm going to go with Joseph Campbell's book called The Power of Myth. He's written several others, uh, but this is one of his big ones. Uh, He's really big on the hero's journey, myth, mythology, and the stories we create. Um that guide our lives. And this one really digs deep into religion and kind of how some cultures and societies came about, why they think the way they do. This is one I actually need to reread again. It's it's pretty dense, but it's really good. Again, that's Joseph Campbell's The Power of Myth. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Brian. Brian Meyerhofer, welcome to the Sam Dever podcast. Happy to be here, man. Thanks for the invite. Oh, dude, this is... I remember when I started this podcast, you were one of the f- first people I thought in my mind as well. But I had started it, and then I got hurt, and then a long time went by, and then now I'm doing them on Zoom. But I have always had just specta- spectacular conversations with you. Likewise. Likewise. Yeah. I felt that we uh, – I mean, we clearly have a lot of similar interests, mm-hmm. but I think it's your earnest, your earnestness, your earnest desire and curiosity that has always stood out to me. Like that has felt very unique to you. And I've really appreciated that about you. Oh, thanks a lot, man. And I've, I've always appreciated that about you. And it was actually, uh, at, I was at your place, uh, I think it was in North Hollywood for an acting rehearsal. And uh, we were, a bunch of us actors were together and I look at your bookshelf you know, I, I like books. <laughs> so I'd look and like, hey, is that the way of the superior man on your bookshelf right there? I thought I was the only one that knew about that book. And like, I started looking and, wow, this guy's a deep dude, reads lots of books. Have you always been a big book reader, intellectual type? I have, yeah. <clears throat> you know, um, I mean, it started off very much so with just pure fantasy. I remember the, like, the Redwall books. You remember Redwall? Not as familiar, to be honest. There were fantasy books and there were these medieval tales, but the main characters were always animals. So it was like a story of these, you know, it was like a badger king and, you know, they were fighting other legions of the otters or the foxes or whatever, but it was always tied into these medieval, these medieval tales. And I read maybe like, you know, 20, 30 of those in elementary school was just a fiend. They were just candy to me. And then it was, you know, Star Wars books, Harry Potter. It really was always fantasy. You know, there's always just a touch of a magic in there for me. And when I need a little bit of magic in my life, I find myself going back to fantasy, which I'm reading a bit of fantasy right now. But, you know, I think it was my early 20s when I first um, first really started digging into more of the self-help spiritually minded um, literature. And that was uh, while I was in a wilderness therapy program when I was uh, 19, 20 years old on Hawaii. Whoa. Wilderness therapy? Yeah. Yeah. I was in a wilderness therapy. It was, uh, what was it called? Oh man. It was called Pacific Quest. Pacific Quest, which now my grad, my grad school is called Pacifica. I just made that, uh, that connection there. <laughs> and uh, another connection too, actually, um, one of my required reading right now in my grad program was actually one of the first books that I read in this, um, this wilderness therapy program that really sparked my interest in psychology and spirituality and also acting, um, mythology specifically. It's called the hero with a thousand faces by Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So I, uh, I dropped out of school and um, I needed a little bit of help and support and guidance. And I went to a, a, like an outward bounds wilderness therapy program in Hawaii. That had to have been an incredible experience. It was unique. It was, it was unique. And I have super fond memories looking back on it. I'm still kind of in, in touch with my therapist at the time from there. I mean, we're talking, you know, 10 years ago, I'm coming mm-hmm. up on 30. Mm-hmm. Um, last time I talked to her was probably 18 months ago, maybe a year ago. Um, and I credit 
a big part of my foundation and my intellectual curiosity to my time there. Um, it was also just the first chunk of my life that I experienced any semblance of sobriety from the time I was, you know, 13, 14 years old, um, mm. to 1920 when I pulled myself out of school and, and decided to get some more support. Well, it's amazing that you had the intuition and the awareness to be able to make that decision at that age too. You know, it's, it's a relatively younger age. You know what I mean? Like for someone to make a decision like that. I do, you know, and you're not the first person that's, that said that. And, and I hear that echoed by, by a lot of folk when I, when I tell them my story and I'm not sure what it was, what it is, you know, just like anything, there's probably two sides to that coin. You know, mm -hmm. I recognize that on some level, I'm sure that some of my perfectionism had something to do with it or just, <clears throat> excuse me, absolute, absolute pure fear that I was going to set my life on fire. Mm. And that, you know, I, there were some, you know, older family relatives or people that I'd seen that had gone down that path and maybe just pure fear and like pure perfectionism drove me to that. Um, but on the flip side, I also think that um, an, an earnest desire to do good and to live a healthy life um, is a part of it as well. And, you know, if I wanted to take it even a step further, a step deeper, you know, maybe there were some, some spiritual factors as well, or, you know, um, as we were talking before we started recording, you know, you know, nature has its way and, you know, nature's accord. There might've been some seeds that were planted there, um, you know, from a deeper, more soulful place. Right. And piggybacking off of that, it's like, I'm realizing too, like when you know, you know, sometimes on decisions and everything and, um, there's not, there's not a right time really for anything. Like everyone says, well, you, you, you're going to do this at this age. You're going to do that at that age. Sometimes it happens earlier for people. Sometimes it happens way later. Like there's no, I'm starting to figure that out. Like it's nice to have those ideas and blueprints, but understand in your own life, things may happen quicker than you realize mm. or the opposite. It may not happen for a while. I don't know if that makes any sense, <laughs> but no, it does. It does. I mean, because we, we want to think about these things linearly. Right, exactly. Right? And, and chronologically in, in, in relation to age. <clears throat> and that's not necessarily the case, you know, especially if you subscribe to the idea of, of you know, of soul or soul rebirth or soul asking to be here on some level and more of the, the cyclical nature of time and of life. You know, <clears throat> I mean, and that's where, you know, it's, that's where like, I need to be mindful in regard to, to comparison because I can look at where I'm at in my career and my finances, et cetera, but I've undergone a massive, massive 10 year spiritual and emotional upheaval, you know, and Alcoholics Anonymous and sobriety has been the primary foundation of, of that. And somebody else may have that experience from 50 to 60 you know, after they've locked in some other areas of, of their life, you know, but really start to learn those spiritual emotional lessons later. And for whatever reason, you know, like this has been my like 10 years, I'm sure I'm sure I'll have another 10. But you know what I mean? Like, there's just there's no timetable, you know, and it's not necessarily linear. Wow, there's so many things I want to say out of that. Well, first of all, comparison is the thief of joy, like they say. And um Reminds me too, we were talking on the last podcast, her name is Sarah Gabriella. We were talking about like past lives and being born. And I've talked about it with a few people, but yeah, it's like some people, if you do believe in that type of thing, uh, they were put here on a mission and the mission may happen way sooner than what it does for other people. It's, it's interesting to think about. Mm -hmm. it, it really is. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's many different, words or labels or phrases that we, you know, what's your mission? What's your fate? What's your destiny? Right. You know, my personal favorite is, um, is personal myth, which is actually, a, it's like a Jungian, you know, Carl Jung, he, he spoke at length uh, about his personal, his personal myth. He felt like his life's, you know, biggest quest was, was curating and, and uncovering his own personal myth and sharing it with the world. Hmm. I'm reading this book right now called The Breakthrough Experience by uh, uh, Dimitri Demartini, something of like that, but similar, like uncovering what that thing is. 
that thing yeah. that your your destiny, if you will, or the, your myth, your you know whatever that is. Yeah, your soul's contract. You know, yeah. like your 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 mythic identity. See, and that's something I've been. I don't want to call it struggling with, but there's so much, I guess, distractions for lack of a better word. Like I could go do this or I could do that. Maybe I should do multiple things at once, but like it, it I still has me begging like, what, is there like one thing I should be doing? Like, should I say F it for lack of a better term to like all these other things I'm dabbling in and just go to that one thing. But it's like, how do you find that one thing? And I'm realizing the more like I meditate, the more that I get rid of distractions, the more that I look within, the more readings I do, the more like I th- you feel like you get closer to that pulse of whatever that thing is. And maybe it's not one thing, maybe it is multiple things, but I feel it's in this life, in this society especially, it's very easy to get hooked into a lot of stuff that you may not even really want to be doing, <laughs> but you think you want to do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I do, you know, and, and I also struggle with that to be honest, you know, because we live just in our, in our culture, there's such a, uh, a rhetoric of, you know, you've got to follow your dream. You got to find your purpose. You know, if you're not living your purpose, then what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know? And I, I, I don't necessarily like fully agree with that. I think that like, we all have our own version of what's in front of us, you know? And, and, and a big part of this process is, is, is learning how to find depth and presence and being okay with whatever our version is, you know, mm. and we can find and create and redefine our own purpose. Mm. Purpose doesn't have to be this grand mission in life where you're helping the world, et cetera. Some, you know, you, I can go to a nine to five job and, and, and make some money and do my thing and come back to a dog, a wife, myself, whatever. But I find purpose in my version of my life and I find depth and meaning in it and it doesn't have to be anything extraordinary and I can redefine my own bullseye, what my own definition of hero ship is or purpose and meaning and learn how to seep into that and find contentment in it. I love that. And truthfully, the, the whole, depending on what the nine to five is, (laughs) but it's that whole life that I used to think was, Oh, you don't ever want to have that, you know, the, the dog, the kids, the wife and all that, that appeals more to me than it ever has in my whole entire life. And I'm like, wow, like, huh, some of these things that I thought were so important. And I thought, and it's not that I don't still want to do some of them, whether it's a project or whatever it is in the realms of, we're both artists in the realms of art artistry. It's like, it's kind of an empty road sometimes to me, in my opinion. Like, it's like, there's a lot, some of the most simplest things and joys and pleasures in life are literally the most simplest joys and things and pleasure in life right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to share mm-hmm. with you, I think I've said on the podcast before, his name's Michael Malice. He's big on, have you, have you read much of Albert Camus? No. Okay. I got a book for myth of Sisyphus. And I truthfully, I'll be honest, I have not finished it. I mean, it's, I mean, it's one of those where like, what? Like basically man, uh, there is no meaning to life. He like, he's going with the perspective. There's no true meaning to this, but Michael Malice always plays off of that. He's like, yes, there's no meaning, but life is like, if you're a painter, life is like a blank canvas and you can paint it, whatever you want. So Mm -hmm. similar to what you were saying, you find that purpose, you find that meaning, you can make whatever meaning you want out of this thing. But I agree with you too. It's not that there's this one clear cut. This is the meaning of life. And that's all there is. It's like, well, maybe for someone, but maybe for someone else, it's this, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And it can, then, you know, that mentality can, can leave people longing constantly or feeling like where they're at and what they're doing and who they're with is, is not, and will never be enough mm. because we, we have been indoctrinated into this belief that when we do find our purpose or our mission or whatever, it's going to feel a certain way. So because people go through life without feeling whatever that certain way is, then they then, you know, then thus, like what they're doing is not their purpose, is not their meaning. So they're always on a quest for that next thing. But really what you're chasing is feeling. Yeah. Pleasure seeking, really. Gratification, you know. 
Yeah. And um, one concept, definitely this, I mean, attachment, of course, is something I've definitely been learning more and more, like detachment rather. And just how desire, like the Buddha said, like <laughs> desire really does lead to suffering. And I think you just explained it beautifully. Um, and also just the whole, I say this in every, but it really is about being present. Like it's, it's so such a simple thing, but I catch myself constantly just still getting hyped up about future events and future things instead of just sitting and settling into where I'm at right now and what's going on right now and being able to enjoy whoever I'm with or whatever I'm doing to the fullest. Because if I'm just always thinking about this future that doesn't exist and the past that doesn't exist, it's, I'm never really living this life. Like I'm just existing pretty much. Like I'm not fully there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Have you ever found troubles with that being present? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I can be a fairly, uh, heady dude, uh -huh. you know, a fairly intellectual heady dude. I'm an analyzer. I'm so my girlfriend always calls me the analyzer, you know, I'm a thinker. I'm an analyzer. Mm. And, um, that's an intelligence that is necessary, you know, and, and in order to learn from the mistakes of the past and plan for the future, that is an important intelligence, that linear based analytical thinking. But when we speak on presence and creation and steeping into this moment, you know, I, I drive to, 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 to lean into the intelligence of the body. Mm which is entirely different, right? Like our body, like A on one level, I mean, there are so many, especially depth psychologists that believe that, you know, our unconscious sits in our body, our traumas, our experiences, you know, you've heard of that book, the body keeps the score or waking the tiger. So much of our healing takes place within our body and our body is designed to heal itself. It has its own rhythm and its own natural intelligence. You look at our circadian rhythms, like it's all designed in a manner in accordance with nature. And if I can disconnect from the analytical mind, the rational mind, the linear mind, and plug into the intelligence of my body, nature's intelligence, and find some way where I can bridge the gap between the two or learn how to at least translate from one or the other, I'm giving myself a real shot at a real shot at like unlocking whatever it is that like is available to me in any given moment, you know? So if I find myself struggling to be present, I know the problem, that's a problem that's existing up here. So if the problem's existing in my head, the solution sits in my body, right? So breath, focusing on the breath, my feeling tone, sitting in my chair, I feel my feet in my shoes, the tactile nature, you know, of how I feel, like what, you know, like simple body scans. I mean, there are so many tools, but there's an intelligence that, that exists within the body that I believe is in accordance with nature and nature's will for us that our Western Judeo-Christian culture has placed zero emphasis on. Mm. Zero emphasis. I completely agree with that. And it's funny you brought that up because a lot of the books I'm reading right now talk of that exact principle you're speaking of like just and I've, and I've always been big on the subconscious mind like i always i really give that credit to even coming to la like years ago i just say you know want to go to the west coast i want to be here and like just seeing it and visualizing it and words of affirmation um it is amazing too and then you bringing in about the health like yeah there, there's zero like especially in america like I, I, that's a whole other discussion, <laughs> America and health. But uh, there's so much, I guess you could call it ancient knowledge or uh, secrets, whatever it is that we haven't even begun to tap into, I think, that maybe past civilizations millennia ago knew about. But we, us as, you know, technology has been a great thing, but at the same time, I think we can rely on things too much. And think, get too cocky, get too arrogant, um, mm -hmm. you know, 
but it's like we're we're missing out on the the greatest technology which is us <laughs> mm-hmm. our bodies like you said it, it, it it's even going through a healing myself it, it is just incredible what the body is capable of not only going through but getting back it's insane 100% 100% you know um and i've had some experiences with some you know some plant medicine some entheogenics mm-hmm. some psychedelics that have really re- reiterated and sort of validated that point to me, you know, when you eat something like psilocybin and are able to plug in and seep into the body and you can feel that mechanism at work, which is really powerful. Um, but yeah, just to speak on a little bit, you know, it's so interesting to think and to really understand why we think the way that we do, right? So we spoke on a little bit, just like just Western culture, Judeo-Christian mentality and thinking and how it's this, this linear based, you know, pull up your bootstrap, go get it type of attitude, moving forward, et cetera, you know, and looking back at philosophy at one point there was a, there's a reference point and it's called the Cartesian split. And it's referring to Rene. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Descartes, D E S right. The philosopher. Oh, it sounds familiar actually. Yeah. Rene Descartes. Um, and he was the first philosopher that really separated the mind from the spirit or the mind from the body. And he placed great emphasis on the mind over the body. And he wrote, um, I can't remember what it's called right now, but it's, uh, he wrote this amazing like manuscript and it's basically about critical thinking and housing and how to use logic in your, I mean, this is like in the 1600s, how to use your mm-hmm. logic and critical thinking skills to move through life. And that was really like one of the birth points of Western thinking of the way that we think now, which our culture is so engulfed in for better or worse, you know, Mm. for my money is a little bit worse, Mm. but um, it can really be traced back to that Cartesian split. He was one of the first philosophers that separated the mind from the spirit. You've already dropped, uh, waking tiger i think you named was a book <laughs> and uh this one I, I, when i go back to edit and listen to this i'm gonna be writing all this down like this. <laughs> yeah. you're one of those people like when you tell me like hey have you read this i'm like no people are like yeah go i'm, I'm picking it up <laughs> yeah yeah so it's interesting i think about that a lot you know because you're talking about other cultures that that don't think the way that we do we also our culture is very individualistic Mm. A lot of Eastern cultures and Eastern philosophies, it's very communal. There's not as much of a, a separation between the individual and the community. It's all one. One individual one individual is sick, the community's sick. Mm. You know, communal-based thinking. We live in a very individualistic culture. And I don't think humans are designed to live that way. And I think that our minds have been, especially at this point, you know, from where, where it started and when it started, I don't know. But at this point, our minds have been hijacked by media, big pharma, all these industries, food industry, et cetera, to, you know, prey off of our neurochemicals and our dopamine and our gratification and prey off of this consumerist mentality of more, this Western mentality of more accumulate, attack, conquer get acquire and it's people sitting it you know metaphorically it's people sitting in a big fucking rooms twirling their chairs you know making money off of hijacking our brains and they have teams and teams of psychologists that are that you know that are you know on whatever that are designing whatever their product or their their tech is in order to make it at, to make them as dopamine dopaminergic as possible so we continue chasing, we chase that pleasure, we chase that gratification, but the same part of the brain that's responsible for dopamine for pleasure is also the same part of the brain that's responsible for pain. And it becomes, a, it could becomes a, a cyclical, you know, self-fulfilling deal. So a big part of the way I'm thinking about things now is like, how do I unplug my mind from the dopamine systems that have been put in place? that I am and everyone else has fallen victim to on some level. And how do I replace it with serotonin and oxytocin? These other neurotransmitters and chemicals that are, that are also bioavailable to us, but they don't come through things. 
They come through relationships. They come through service. They come through purpose. They come through wonder and nature and curiosity and living a life based off fulfillment. And it's a slow build that doesn't go up and down. You're not chasing, you know, it's not a dog chasing its tail like the dopamine cycles are. Ooh, that might be the promo clip right there. That's <laughs> a lot of things to unpack there. Yeah. Well, and I'll add to what you were saying, like the got to go do this, acquire this and do that and go get more. Well, th what they don't tell you is, Hey, guess what? You're going to die. <laughs> like, and then what are you going to do with all that? I don't know if you, have you ever listened to Naval Ravikant at all? No, no. Tell me about it. I'm going to send you after this. I'm going to send you, uh, man, this guy changed my, he's like a, they call him like the philosophical angel investor from Silicon Valley. He's made his money. He's good. But like he, he was on Rogan. He's been on, he, he doesn't do many podcasts, but Ferris and Rogan, he did. And he, I've seen his he name. said something. So what'd you say? Sorry. I've seen his name now that you mention it. Yeah. A couple of quick things out of what you just said that uh, I think you really hit the nail on that he preaches. He's really big on you, like taking care of your finances. So you don't have to worry about your finances, but he's like, once you've taken care of your finances, you're done. Like he's like, the trap is these people that become millionaires and they just have to keep going. He's like, what are you, you're just going to keep making as much money as possible. Then you're dead. It's over. Like life, he calls it a one player game. Like, you, you know, you're doing these things thinking that you're leading for something. You're leaving this huge legacy, but it's like, no, you are it <laughs> like your experience is your experience and you're it's only you so it's again the mind and again the chasing the dopamine and I, I really like how you said our minds have been hijacked to think you're really being successful i remember times i i thought i was quote unquote uh successful because i was just so quote unquote productive and i was getting things done but was i happy no not at all and was i really getting anything done what social media people told me hey man you're really working out there like and that was yeah, about yeah. it <laughs> pushing paper across my desk i'm getting yeah. shit done, you know like, yeah and, and one quick thing about back to naval that he said that you remind me of he's like the people that truly win in life are the ones that know when to quit the ones that do get that money they do get that relationship they do get that dream job and they realize i'm good mm. like i don't that's, and I'm finding that in my own life lately. Those are the traps because we live in this world too where everyone thinks you just have so many options out there, whether it's relationships or jobs, anything. They want to make it think like you, you got to be this like, always keep your options open, always get to the better. And I'm all about self-improvement. I know you are too, but I have realized that's also a trap within itself yep. because yep. some of the most beautiful people and opportunities are right in front of you right yep. in front of you but if you're too busy for lack of a better term on your bullshit like i have been before like thinking like well this is okay but i think i can better myself doing this so it's a trap it's an endless cycle it is you know and it's 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 the mechanism that we're used to using you know in our brain and neurochemically we're used to using the mechanism of next we're not used to using the mechanism of enough mm. it has to be built it's built through practice. It's literally a practice. Just like, you know, like a, a gratitude practice is a practice. That's something you just, you, you do once or you're just, I'm going to be more grateful. You know, like it, you're getting in shape. You're getting your mind in shape. You're getting your emotional body in shape. You got to go to the gym. You got to solidify these grooves. It's repetition. It's exposure. Like it's a, it's a new mechanism. You have to build up that, you know, the, those, those neural pathways and the brain's malleable, you know, it's plastic, the synaptic pruning, like the brain can change, but you have to build it. I think that's brilliant what you just said, because you're right. I myself have realized lately, whether it's through this podcast, through books, I read, whatever things I'm doing to open my mind and expand, I realize, and I've talked with a friend, like, you know, knowledge without application is useless. Like I can go memorize as many theories and as things as I want, but am I actually applying this to my life? When someone gives me a criticism or a critique, am I actually listening to it and thinking like, huh, that's a good point. Maybe I could improve in this, this, and this instead of like getting an ego with it or, you know, there's so many, and I, I'm really glad you said that because I'm, it is a practice. It, it is a repetition and you do have to practice being grateful. You really do. And one thing I've been practicing is, 
uh, I didn't realize how much negative self-speak was in my mind. Like I may think I was a real positive person, but uh, which is when it comes to abundance or uh, attraction, like some things I realized I haven't been attracting because I'm cutting that off by speaking negatively on certain things that may open me up to those worlds. If that makes any sense. It's, it goes deep, man. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. It's like, it goes really, really deep. And we were talking in the pre-show room with psychology and the mind. I mean, it's crazy how deep uh, this stuff goes. That little mantra that you, you just said, I already forgot the mantra because it, now I'm thinking about what it reminded me of, but in a similar vein um, to piggy, piggyback off of what we've been talking about, right. Is, you know, success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. Mm. <laughs> and we get to define what fulfillment is. Mm. I'm really, I'm really big on, 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 on redefining, you know, so I was a coach. I was a life coach for a long time, you know, still I am. I'm actually just, you know, re investing in that business right now. And my company's name was hero redefined. And I would use, um, you know, a lot of my, my content was, was off of, you know, Joseph Campbell's The Hero Journey and that 12-stage mono, monomyth and trying to, you know, uncover and live and curate our own personal myth and, and looking at the great stories and how they define hero, hero worship and what these actually stages within the story, what they represent psychologically and spiritually. You know, each one is a spiritual and psychological mindstone. It's a metaphor within the story. But anyway, so I'm big on, on redefining the idea of hero for ourselves, redefining the idea of purpose, redefining the idea of fulfillment. These are just labels and concepts that we can make our own. And how can I redefine my own conception of what it means to be the hero of my journey, to be the hero in my life? How am I the hero in my own personal myth? And what does that look like? And what are characteristics and attributes that make up the hero? And how can I redefine those for something that fit my version of who I am? We don't have to subscribe to, to, to the versions of the stories. We can redefine it and make it ours. And that's empowering. Yeah, you, you've definitely, now I know what the book of the episode is going to be. Uh, have you read The Power of Myth by Joseph Campbell? I have, yeah, I've got it sitting here. I got I it right here. I'm like, that, I don't have the, the hero. I know the other one you're talking about, but he said, I think it's in the power of myth. He talks about how people idolize, you know, these figures over time, whether it's, and I'm not saying they shouldn't be like someone like a Christ. I'm not putting him down by any means. It, it's people, people want to be the hero, quote unquote, right? Because the hero's journey looks, looks glorious, but he broke down. He's like the story of the knight who slayed the dragon or, Jesus going on the cross. It was brutal. It was extremely brutal. They went through freaking hell. <laughs> but it's glorious after it happened and we're telling the story of it. Right. Everyone wants to be the, and this is a lesson I learned. Uh, it's funny, like 10 years ago, all I wanted was to be famous, was to be rich, was to be like known by people for whatever art form or whatever. Now it's the exact opposite. Like, it's like, I could give two shits. Even doing this podcast, I don't, you know, whether we got two people listening to us or we get 200, I don't, it doesn't matter to me anymore. It's yeah. all about doing something you enjoy and getting the experience and what it is to you. Um, yes, yes. So you've redefined it. Yeah, redef there you go, yeah. <laughs> your own sense of meaning in yeah. your pursuits. Mm-hmm. And it's about the pursuit as opposed to the result mm. and the fruits of the pursuit. Yeah. And the fruits of the enjoyment and the fulfillment that you gain from the pursuit, you know, and that's a lot of what I've been thinking about recently too, man. You know, I moved out here eight and a half years ago to be a famous actor. I moved out here to be a movie star. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to delude myself, you know, again, where that motivation came from. I think that there was a light and a dark to that coin as well. Mm looking for some fix, looking for some validation, looking to be recognized, looking to be enough. Also a pursuit of the art, a, a, an enjoyment of the art, a love for story and for myth and being a part of, you know, stories on a mass scale. And so much of the human experience is ineffable. I think it can only be communicated and translated through story, through metaphor. 
you know, and wanting to be a part of that too, but like really have had to ask myself these big questions, you know, like life's about choices and like, do, do I want to be famous? Do I want to be able to walk down the street? Do I want to live a life of pure raw temptation all the time of, you know, like in, and, and I don't know where I'm at with my acting career right now, you know, like last year was pretty slow for me, but the year before that, you know, I did my, the biggest job that I've done to date, which was super fucking rad. And it was a great experience. And I had a nice, you know, a nice week on set and that was a blast. And, um, I don't know if I find as much joy from it anymore. And I don't know where my, where my motives are. And I don't, the quiet, the simple, the sustainable feels more attractive to me as you were, as you were sort of speaking on. And I'll, I'll add on to, you are a phenomenal actor, by the way, like Thank seeing you. your work, you're, you're really, and, uh, it's, it's, this is great. Cause we haven't talked like any acting the entire time. And this is just beautiful. This has been beautiful so far. So the one thing I will say about you, you're one of those people, uh, we were on a hike once a couple others as well, but you were definitely one of them that really showed me and explained to me that this is a business out here with acting. And I'll never forget, man, you telling me, um, I'll keep it vague, but like, you know, just telling me basically like your plan, like you had this like straight out plan, uh, like year one, year two, year three, uh, you knew you're, you're the one that told me about character types. Like you got to know your type and like how you had, I think you even sent me an email once showing me like what you sent to agents and stuff. And I'm like, I just remember thinking like, yo, <laughs> this dude has done his homework. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he, like you really opened my eyes to like, but again, that showed me another side to use. Like, look, Brian's one of those guys, like he takes his shit seriously, whether he's doing acting, whether he's doing school, psychology, self-development, whatever it may be. Um, you're one of those people that, you know, you take yourself very seriously and I really respect and admire the, that about you. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Hopefully not too seriously. You know, <laughs> you know, you know yeah. what I mean? Like no, I'm playing with you. Yeah. I'm playing with you. Yeah, man. And the reality of that business, it's just, it's not pretty. It's, it's ugly in a lot of ways. There's, I don't, I find the ideological necessity really distasteful. You know, mm. if you want to be in this business, you have to believe and think a certain way. I second that. <laughs> I find that pretty distasteful. And um, it, again, choices, man, choices. What do I want? You know, who do I want to be, you know, long-term and what's, what, what is important to me, you know, having some, security and some structure and having a family and <clears throat> you know financials like that's important to me you know i remember when i first moved out here one of my very first acting classes wonderful teacher probably my favorite teacher that i've ever, ever studied with in my eight and a half years out here and in my first or second class he's you know he's, he's he's speaking and he says you know if there's anything else you can do in this world and be happy do it mm. and he's like that's not hyperbole like, I'm not fucking joking. Like, leave the business and go do that. Yeah. If you're one of the unlucky few that, that can't do anything else, take a seat. Let's get to work. Yeah. And even like, here, like, that's not me. It's not. Never has been, like, never will be. You know, it's just not. I find happiness elsewhere. I, I, you know, I have gifts elsewhere. And even just, you know, super recently, I was in an acting class in a, there was a newer gentleman who just came in. He had just moved here from Iowa like three months ago and he came in he was introducing himself to the class and this teacher, John Markland, another, you know, super smart guy. Um, he asked him, he asked this kid, he said, he said, Hey, you know, if, if you never make any money acting, would you still want to do it? And the kid said, yes. I mean, what else is he going to say? He's on the spot. He's been in LA for three months, whatever. And I'm like, man, if John would ask me that question, like my answer is no. Like right now, my answer is no, I wouldn't do it. Not because I place, you know, too much value on money, but like there are things in this life that I want and money's a part of it. There's some necessity there. You know, there is, it's just value. It's not money. It's just value. And life's about, you know, prioritizing your values. I really admire that. And I'll add on to that. 
speaking from my own experience, you know, and you, you've gone farther, way farther along than I have out here in the acting thing. But, you know, I, I was starting to before the pandemic hit and uh, then I got hurt. But I, I was starting to go there. Okay, got this training in, got the reel, got the, got the website, got the pro IMBD. Now it's time to, as I crack the knuckles, time to message agents and managers. And, uh, you know, that's a whole other thing. It's like, and again, I say this, and I know you as well as I have a lot of friends out here that give it everything in the bit. And I got the utmost respect for all of them. I hope they all land everything that they can. But I realized with me, man, I don't like getting a self tape that's due in 45 minutes that I got to go crank out right now. Like, I kind of had a schedule going. <laughs> Mean. you know what i mean like i i, I don't want a life and again like you just like and i've heard a similar thing from other people too like if you don't love this if you don't absolutely love it it's like yeah if you can go be happier somewhere else like i'm 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 just one at a point now like look i'm open like if i get involved in something i get involved but in terms of quote unquote chasing and pursuing at this point i'm just like yeah, I don't know how much I enjoy that other side of it. Like I enjoy actually doing it, like the actual, like being on stage and being in a film, but all the other stuff that goes with it, I just don't really want to do that. <laughs> that's just me being honest with myself. Like, For sure. I mean, I literally know. just turned down an audition and I felt shitty about it because I know my agent isn't going to be that happy about it. But like I read who was involved in the project. I read the sides and it was due on Sunday but I knew how much work it was going to take. And I was just like, I don't want to do this. And it was some like, it was like a 30 year old, like fire and brimstone preacher. Who's like secretly the leader of this like white supremacist group <laughs> for this, like, which is, it's like cool content, like, but like, I don't, I just, I don't want to go down that route for the next three days. <laughs> yeah, You know what I mean? Like I'm good. Like I got other plans before Thursday. Like I'm straight. You know, and I don't know. I'm sure my agent's going to feel a certain type of way about it. But also, like, that's just not my business, man. Like, I, you know, I need to, you know, start, you know, taking ownership of some of these choices. And if that means I'm closing the door on that part of my life, you know. Um, and, you know, it made me think, too, as, as I was getting ready for this podcast and I was taking a shower and I was. On some level, if I were to close the door on acting, you know. I've learned so many things, but if I really had to sum up just the last 10 years, eight years act, just like the biggest thing that it's taught me is that like, I actually prefer being myself. I like who I am. I like being myself, you know, like that feels good for me. I want to be more of me. I want to be more of Brian Meyerhofer. I don't really feel the need to like put on some other skin, you know, and when I, you know, and a lot of my favorite work and the stuff that I'm done, I mean, obviously, you know, at least in my process, I start with me. I just bring myself to whatever it is. I bring my own emotional. Well, like I don't like do like personally, I'm not like big on like a characterization or like, no, like I try and bring like as raw of my essence to whatever. If there's an adjustment that I need to make, obviously, and mannerisms or voice, or you know, like I can make little adjustments, but like I just want more of me in every role. Just give me me, you know. And um, there's something about the idea of like no longer acting that feels freeing to me, because when you're in the biz, it can feel so restrictive. You know, I can't go on vacation at certain times. Like, you know, like I just, I got a bunch of tattoos. I'm about to get a bunch more. I can't get tattooed. That was like my belief, you know, like I have to look a certain way. Like all my tape and my reps, they all want me as like pretty boy next door, clean cut. Like that's not who I am. You know what I mean? Like I was rocking a little mullet a couple months ago. Like that's just not who I am. Like I want to be more expressive and have fun and be creative with who I am and like seep into that and, and if that, if, if taking ownership of that leads to me actually like landing some gigs and whatever, then like, great. But like, I just was starting to feel so restricted, you know, and, and feeling, you know, sitting down with reps and being like, Hey, I'm thinking about changing my look. Like, 
I got a couple tattoos. Like I rock piercings normally. Like I'm going to grow my hair out. Like I like the must. And they're like, oh, but like all your tape is like this boy next door, this like cute, you know, fresh face, whatever. And I'm like, that's not me. And if you don't want to work with me, then like, I don't know. I'm just done. I'm just done. Like acquiescing to these fucking gatekeepers that like, what like, I don't know. We're all in this shit together, man. That's beautiful, man. It's really beautiful, man. Cause it, it really does like you are enough. Like you, everyone listening, like what, like you yourself are enough. You don't have to pretend to be anyone you don't want to be. And especially in this business, the acting business, it's a lot of people pretending to be stuff they ain't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that was the thing. So I was at the golden globes three years ago, maybe. Um, correction. I was working the golden globes. I don't want to make this sound like, I'm, you know, <laughs> fucking walking the red carpet here. Right. I was working the Golden Globes, and the one thing that stood out to me, I mean, I was, you know, feet away from, you know, just, you know, you name it, you know, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, just all these just very, very successful people in this field, and um, and, and the one thing that I felt was a, was a, was a common theme from all, the, all these people, you know, Hanks is like, they all just, they all just had this aura that felt so unique to who they were. Mm. And I don't know how much of that is just, Oh, I've seen these people on screen and I have ideas of who they are and the media and the, you know, they have a public image that sort of doubled down on that. Or if they, you know, some of them just felt like, man, this person just feels so authentically themselves and they've just learned how to pr- bring that out to the forefront and everything that they do and every piece that they do. And it's that essence, that soulful essence that they sell. And that's, what's gotten them where, where they are, you know, mm-hmm. I could, it just felt like it just felt powerful. You know, it just felt powerful. I, I don't know how else to really explain it. That's kind of the best I can do with it. Yeah. Well, in, and also uh, not retracting what I said earlier, but like there's a lot of people faking it. But at this, on the flip side, I'm sure you know, we know a lot of the same people too. Like there are just a lot of awesome original people out here. And I, I want to say about, this is what I realized about Los Angeles. Whether I'm pursuing acting or any of that, that or not, what I love about this place and a lot of the people I've come across, you being one of them, everyone's pursuing different stuff, whether it's acting, whether it's art, media, whatever it is. But I feel like there's just like this common mentality of acceptance for those of us that are just want to be us, unlike any other place. I haven't been to many other places, but I have been some. And I feel like that's what I like about here. I I like that people can come here, whether you're going to fake it (laughs) or not fake it. You know, it's, it's okay. Like, you know, I I just picture myself, I just, I just kind of like being near the pulse if that makes sense i like being near it but i don't want to be necessarily of it yeah for better or worse you can be whoever you want to be right right you can i mean you can you can come out here you change your name you get a stage name you can build whoever it is that you want to be as authentic or as inauthentic as that is you know this is the place to do that yeah how about our boy um i don't know if you remember ben benjamin levy he was in class with us. He was from Guatemala. Um, he would always do the uh, that boxing thing where he would strap the thing to his head with the string and he would hit the ball. Do you remember him? I maybe because you were there before I was there. Maybe he was was he gone by the time I got there? He wasn't in our class. Oh, okay. He, he would often sit in on our class, and he came to rehearsal a couple times. Okay. He. Uh, he uh, he's killing it. He like, you know, he did a full season on this Fox show that he really Kristen Bell has a new show coming out on Netflix. Have you seen the, the billboard for it? It's like a thriller uh-uh. out on uh, Friday actually. And he's one of the series regulars in that. Wow. He's like killing it. And I remember running into him at the gym and he's um, super, super fucking great dude. Nice dude, talented, but also the perfect thing just landed in his lap because he was an MMA fighter. 
Uh, he's also like a trainer for it, you know, and um, the Fox role that he did, it was to play like a young Hispanic MMA fighter. And it was just, you know, it was just like perfect. And he had the talent and the preparation, you know, obviously it was, um, oh my gosh, who's Ron Howard's producing partner? Brian Grazer produced it. Oh, whoa. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. His final read was with Brian Grazer. <laughs> You know, and he was just like, you know, it didn't even, it didn't like have like great right rep, whatever, but just, you know, just got the job and it set him off. And, you know, he's now got this thing with Kristen Bell. And it's funny because I saw this like paparazzi photo of like Kristen Bell, like on like Daily Mail or something, like at Runyon Canyon or Griffith Park. And she was with him. It was like them two on a hike. And I was like, I was like, my boy Ben, dude. Like, not in like a weird, she, he has a girlfriend, she's married, but like, whatever, they were hanging out, they were working together, you know? Yeah. Like, so. Not rehearsing. <laughs> you know, like that happens, man. I, you know, so many people that I know that are killing it or they're in class and six months later, I see him on a billboard. Absolutely. And it's awesome. It's incredible awesome. to see. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think you really tapped into something too. And I really am excited for a lot of fellow actors and artists to listen to this because I think you, I think you have some really good grounded perspective, man. Like an acting teacher said this too. And I thought it was some, some of the best life advice I had ever heard when he landed his, uh, his first thing that really got him going out here decades ago. He said he was just living his life out here. He wasn't like, it's it's a fine line, right? Because you got to put in effort for things, but you can't like, if I don't get this, my life's over at the same time. Uh, that desire we're talking about. He said he literally was eating at his favorite restaurant somewhere and he was a very classically trained actor and he was just living his life, not worrying, going to whatever he did, he did. And then like, he was just out and about eating at his favorite restaurant with a good buddy, ran into blah, blah, casting director or whatever. Like, hey, you know what, man? Good seeing you. Like, hey, you know, you should read for this. You should, yeah. He reads for it. He gets the part. Probably set him up pretty nice. But he, but he like he just told us at the end. He goes, "Look, the best actors I know are the ones that live the most interesting lives." I never forgot that. He's like, they read the most books, they go to museums, they go to concerts, they they have friends, they have social groups. Like, they do what they love to do. And you, by becoming an interesting person and some of these people you name, like Tom Hanks, Brad Pitt, I, it made me think it's like, yeah, some of these people that are the biggest celeb, they actually are some of the most interesting people you'll probably right. ever meet. They're them yeah. to the fullest. Compelling. So it really gave me a perspective on you and I like talking like you might, I told this, uh, um, you know, I recently entered a relationship lately and I realized one thing and I said, like, I, I said, you know, I do have these, I think I'll always have artistic dreams and visions and projects I'll want to do, no matter what it is. I, I just creative by heart. But I, here's what I realized. I, I was in this mentality that you got to sacrifice it all. You have to give it all up to try to get this over here. But I'm like, no, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't have to give up anything. It's like, I want a personal life. I want a family life. I want a family one day. But to do that, you've got to pay attention to that and you've got to put effort into that. Like you're saying about the repetition, like you have to practice that. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, I don't want to be one of these people that maybe, maybe I just give it my quote unquote all and sacrifice it all for just someone just to say to me one day, Hey, good job, man. <laughs> and then it's on to the next person that does something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, no, for sure. It's a trap. Sure. It's a <laughs> trap, you know, cause you get there and then you want to do everything to stay there exactly you want to do everything to get the next thing and there's always yeah you know some version of it you know i have a, a a mentor of mine who at one point he still is but at one point he was really close with robert downey jr oh wow and right, and right before downey did he tells me the story of right before he did right before downey did iron man downey i mean he's a movie star he's nominated for oscars or whatever but he's just having a complete meltdown because He's not getting box office stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just, it's whatever version of it. You could be nominated for an Oscar, but you're having a meltdown because you're not getting an offer from Marvel. Really quick. I, I think I've told this story before, but uh, Matt Damon, when he won the Oscar, when uh, him and Affleck won the Oscars for writing Goodwill Hunting, mm -hmm. I believe that's what they wanted for. He was 27 years old. 
he tells, and obviously he's had an extremely successful career since then, but he tells, he said it was the best thing that ever happened to him, not because he won the Oscar, like, look at me, because he said he won that Oscar at age 27. He was in his Hollywood apartment with his girlfriend at the time, went to bed. He was like watching highlights on the TV. And it was like 2 a.m. And he said the Oscar's just sitting on his coffee table looking at him. And he said he just kind of looked, huh, this is what some actors spend their entire career trying to get. And like, we'll sacrifice anything for that hunk of metal that's just sitting on my coffee table. And he said it was a great thing because he realized he didn't care about that shit anymore after that moment. Mm. Like anything he made was because he wanted to make it. Yeah. And he wanted to do it. He wasn't chasing this glory. Like your career is a failure if you're never nominated or don't win this thing. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like you, you, you know, you fulfill your, your greatest desire, you know, your, 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 your ultimate dream, you know, is accomplished. And then it's like, well, now what? Yeah. I'm 27, you know, now what? Yeah. Like it's, yeah. I would imagine that that's a, that's a mind fuck. (laughs) You know, hopefully I'll be lucky enough to, you know, get that same bind fuck we'll see if that's a lesson that's in the cards for me you know, that's the way i think about things sometimes where i'm like oh man like that guy none of this shit is really permanent another none of it's that fulfilling whatever you know i made a hundred million dollars like you know that's it's not that fulfilling and i'll i'll end up dissatisfied anyways but man that'd be a great lesson to learn you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> Like I would love to be fortunate enough to learn some of these lessons to know that having, you know, a really <laughs> career isn't going to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I will see if that lesson is in the cards for me. Well, and that, that's why I'm really, well, what I hope happens is you, you know, you're like, I'm finally, I'm letting go of this acting thing. And then two years later you do win the Oscar <laughs> and like, Oh, on the Sam Dever podcast, he said this, this, and this, and now look at him, you know, it's like, <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and we're we're almost to the end here. Uh, you got a couple more minutes? Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, shoot, man, I could talk to you for ten hours straight. This, this has been an experience, dude. No joke. Like, and I've had a lot of great podcasts. They've all been great, but this one, like, I really feel like from the second we hit record, <clears throat> it was like this this freaking rhythm, man. Like it was this just flow of consciousness, yeah. which I wouldn't have expected anything less. But this has been a beautiful conversation and. Uh, going just real quick, like I'm just realizing more and more about personal personal development and growth, and just keeping yourself accountable. Like keeping myself, I'm like really accountable, not putting myself down, but like, oh Sam, like you shouldn't you shouldn't have handled it that way, or you could have handled this better, or done that. And just that constant, like you talked about analyzing that constant, like how can I do better the next time, type of mentality, and just really realizing that, okay, like financial security is great. But I'm also not going to sell my soul for it. And I'm also not going to think that it's everything because I could get the financial security and be a terrible human being. And, and like, mm-hmm. you know, you see it. The thing with you, like, I've talked so much dating and relationship stuff with you, which we'll have to save that probably for part two because you have a lot of brilliant info. I still to this day think of the Trader Joe's line you gave me. If a woman's in the parking, not to give away your sauce, but if a woman's in a parking lot with flowers, who's the lucky guy? Like, <laughs> I never forgot that shit. On my ass, man. But yeah, you know. yeah. But it's like I re- I've really realized, and it's really hit me as of late. Like, all right, like I, what matters to me now is becoming the best possible person I can be. It's not a quote unquote. I guess some say version, or not me on paper. I don't care about the on paper part. I care about like who I actually am and how are my relationships with actual people and what is the energy I'm giving back to people into the world. That's mm-hmm. more now where mm-hmm. I'm at. And it took me, a, it's taken me a while to figure that out, <laughs> to realize like, Oh, that's, that's it. That's what matters. Uh huh. You know, that's the bullseye, the bullseye. Right? Like you, you said, redefine, redefine what that bullseye is, you yeah. know, make it yours. It's unique to you. My bullseye is unique to me. But if we don't know what our bullseye is, you know, then we don't know what we're aiming for. And we also don't know when we've hit it. Because there's something to be said for hitting a bullseye. 
and allowing that to be okay and allowing that mechanism of enough to kick in. That's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. And I, I wanted to, what might have to talk about next time too, but I know you're, you're working on your master's degree, right? Yeah, working on my master's um, in my second year of the program right now, uh, Pacifica Graduate Institute, depth-based program, counseling psychology is the degree. Um, I'm working as a, uh, like a trainee therapist at a, a nonprofit in Woodland Hills. Um, so I actually see clients in the capacity of a therapist um, all day, Monday, Tuesday. Nice, man. Well, I think that's really cool that, you know, as much as you put in acting that you're also putting into that side of yourself and opening up a brand new world to you as well to have for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think of things similarly, you know, and, and, again one of the initial interests for both personal development spirituality therapy and acting and story well came from um mythology and so that's why i like the depth-based program because carl jung you know he looks at a lot of the great myths and how these these metaphors are are, are these story points are indeed metaphors for psychological development but you know, I feel whether I'm stepping into a scene or whether I'm sitting with somebody doing a one-on-one -on -one session um, in the therapeutic space, all I'm really doing is creating a container for energy to shift, move, transfer, change, mm. right? There's like in a scene, you know, whatever, you know, you allow the, the words on the page to carry that energy. You allow yourself to be changed and moved through the give and take of this energy in the scene. And you need to create a container to do that. When, when, you know, in therapy, no matter what you're discussing, you know, emotional life is, is nothing but energy, right? And so we're creating a container for energy to shift, move, transform, you know, it's really the same, the same practice in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I, I, and that's one thing too, I, I need to get into therapy <laughs> just to, I, I have so much value in talking things out yeah, exactly. with someone because you're in your head when you're in your head. Your head's a great place, but it's also a dangerous place. And when you don't, there's been so many times where I think I know what, what's what, but then I'll like articulate an idea and it'll come out of my mouth and I'll say it to someone like, oh, oh no, I don't think that. Or, oh, that's not what I thought it was. Yes. You know? Yes. So that's a valuable uh, thing you're providing for people. I think so. It's challenging. It has its challenges. Yeah. Um, but again, I think it's, um, it's a part of it. It's a part of what I've defined for myself here, you know, with my own, um, my own personal myth. Awesome, man. Well, yeah. Brian, we could keep going, but, uh, this time I, I think, I think we've, I think there's a lot for people to chew on. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually excited to talk. There's, I got some regular people that listen and we conversate. I'm like, yo, you're episode 32. Some will be like, you need to check episode 32. <laughs> with brian meyerhofer because it's going to be some fire <laughs> and uh man, awesome well i'm definitely going to be picking your brain here soon because i'm going to be moving forward with my own podcast as well oh uh, as you should yeah so i'm going to be you getting should. you on there no doubt and also awesome. just um i know you're you know much farther down the river than i am so i'll be picking your brain on any insights or any ways to happy it. to help you and support it man yeah i can just hit me up i'll, I'll just tell you what i know <laughs> yeah perfect. you'll be phenomenal at it um yeah, if people want to follow you on social, is there a place where they can follow you or find you? There is, yes. Um, Brian.Meyerhofer on both Twitter and Instagram. Um, my handle on Twitter is Hero Redefined. Um, actually just got a new Twitter today as I'm, as I'm um, recommitting myself back to um, the coaching and um sort of self-help landscape a little bit but um i'm out there on the two on the, on the on the spheres so yeah not too hard to find cool man and i always give the guests the last word it can be as deep as shallow or as shallow as you want we've definitely gone in the deep end in this episode already but it can be a book a philosophy an idea like absolutely anything you want to leave us with as we close out here yeah i mean i think the word i think you know the word is you know redefine you know, and how do we redefine our concept of enough? And how do we redefine our concept of um, fulfillment in a way that's empowering and in a way that is in alignment with our own version of life?
Awesome, man. Well, Brian, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for going deep with us. Really grateful to have met you, man, and to, uh, to be continuing conversations with you. You're really an awesome dude, and uh, I really respect and admire a lot of what you say. And I, uh, I'm just really excited to see what path you go on. I really appreciate – I know I really – I'm really hoping a lot of artists especially listen to this and it's not to derail anyone, not to say, give up your dreams and, <laughs> and uh, focus on something else. It's not about that, but I think it's just that perspective of what do you really want out of life, you know, mm -hmm. and really asking yourself those questions. Cause I know I'll just speak for me personally. That's definitely, especially after talking with you now here, it really reminds me of like, yeah, like I, I want the life that I want, not the life that, I think I want, <laughs> or I think that's going to please others or, uh, for show. So thanks Absolutely. a lot, brother. Man. I appreciate it. I've had a blast. Thank you so much for bringing me on. I've had such a blast. Sounds good, man. Stick around for just a sec, but Brian, thank you so much. We'll do it again. Adios.